You're listening to the podcast of The Branch in Ashland, Virginia. At some point in our lives, we'll most likely want to appeal to an authority higher than ourselves. As followers of Christ, that higher authority is the triune God. Appealing to the higher authority of God will most likely put us at enmity with the world, whose highest authority is themselves. Paul knew that the church in Thessalonica would be in a similar situation. The morality that they had once held to had been dramatically changed when they followed Jesus. Today, we look at Paul's instructions to the church about the witness of obedience. One of those days. All right, show of hands, who, who in here has siblings? Okay, so we're, we're all in this together, see? I grew up with a brother who is uh, four years older than me, and uh, my dad was a pastor, so that probably meant we got along even worse than other kids. No, just kidding. Um, but uh, he's four years older than me. He always picked on me as a kid, and my mom swore that uh, he was going to pay, and now he's about this tall, and I'm about this tall, and uh, no one believes that we're brothers. But, um, but you know, uh, growing up, we had our differences, and... Uh, you know, it's probably started in the car whenever we'd go on a road trip. And uh, if you only had one sibling, then maybe you've been in this predicament before where there's that imaginary line that runs between you and you get to a point where you see how close you can get to that imaginary line without actually going over the line. Um, Or see if you can, you know, I'm not really touching you. I'm not touching you, right? You keep real far. I mean, siblings just have this way of being able to to, uh, get on our last nerve. And my brother and I did that. I... I am old, so I grew up in the age where TVs had um, no remote control. They they had a little dial on it, and there were only like 13 channels. Um, So cable didn't come along until I was a little bit older. And and contrary to the, the state of things today, not everybody had a TV in their room. So we had this huge room with a TV that was like this big, the screen, and uh And there were commercials. You couldn't stream things back then either. So you had to sit through all those commercials. And inevitably, one of my shows would come on and it would conflict with my brothers. And so I would say, um, hey, Steve, you need to get off TV. And he'd just kind of look at me. And I would then have to invoke a higher authority. I would have to go upstairs and tell my mom because I was the baby. And so I would tell my mom, and, and uh, not all the time, but oftentimes, she would say the words to me that I longed to hear. Tell your brother that I said he needed to let you watch the TV. Maybe you remember words similar to that. Um, and so I, with joy and, and uh, a little... Um, you know, spunk in my step, I would run downstairs and make sure that I said, Steve, mom said you have to get off TV. Because once I invoked that name of mom, it was like there was this higher authority and he knew that it wasn't just John talking anymore. It was somebody who actually had authority to be able to speak. Now, eventually I realized that invoking the authority of mom wasn't always a good idea because it didn't always go the way that I wanted to, but then that was also a lesson to me as well. 
because if we want a higher authority and we say that there's a, a higher authority over us, we don't just pick and choose and say, hey, um, now you're my higher authority, um, but now I don't want you to be my higher authority anymore. We live in a world and a culture where that's not unusual. And so uh, we have to ask ourselves, especially as followers of Jesus Christ, what does that mean for us? The fact that when we say, hey, I profess faith in Jesus Christ, I, I follow after him, what happens? What is and who is our higher authority? We say that we follow the triune God, and that means that uh, if we consider God to be our higher authority, then we can't just pick and choose. You know, we, we live in Virginia, the home of Thomas Jefferson, who was famous for having gone through the Bible with, with uh, scissors and picked out some of the things that he liked and some of the things that he didn't like. As Christians, we don't have that luxury. If we say, God, you're my higher authority, then we follow that higher authority even when we don't like it. And sometimes that's tough. Everything and all mean everything and all, whether you're speaking Greek like Paul did to the Thessalonians, whether you're speaking English like we do, all and everything still mean the same. Paul, uh, we've been looking over the last few weeks, and there was a break in there too when I was gone, but we've been looking at Paul's first letter to the church in Thessalonica a church that he was there for in the beginning for a short time. His trip got cut short. He had to go away, and now he's writing. He's uh, found out that they're still pursuing Jesus, even though things have been difficult for them. And Paul's expressed his love and his care for them. He's told them how much he cares for them, how much he thinks about them, how he's praying for them and thankful for them, that he wants to come and join them again. And so uh, now we come to what we have is the fourth chapter in uh, 1 Thessalonians. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to 1 Thessalonians 4. It's up on the screen. I'm reading in the New International Version. You can follow along if you have a different version on your device or paper Bible, then I just know there may be some different words there. Reading uh, the first eight verses of chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this. He says, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that's holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now, Paul, for just a, a, a recap of Paul, if you're not familiar with him, and even if you are, Paul had been raised in the Jewish tradition. And he was an expert in the law when, when Jesus really found him. 
And so Paul knew all the law. He knew all the right things to do. And then Paul felt like God was calling him to go to the Gentiles, who were all the non-Jewish people. And so Paul went to the non-Jewish people, to the Gentiles. He, he considered that his, his mission, his ministry. And he was bringing all these Jewish traditions and teachings to them, but, but also putting them around Jesus. And one of the things that Paul gets to here in this part of the letter is this idea of holiness. Something that in the Hebrew tradition was, was taught often. If we go to the book of Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2, it says, Be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. This idea of holy in our day and age, uh, it's probably not necessarily thrown around um, as a positive thing. You know, more often than not, when I hear someone talk about holy out and about, it's somebody being a holier than thou, that um, they're being hypocritical, or they're saying, oh, you're acting like a goody two-shoes or something like that. Paul is talking about this idea of holiness, as it says in Leviticus, that as God is holy, so we pursue that holiness. And there are two things for us to keep in mind when we consider our own pursuit of holiness. And the first one is this. We can't be made holy without God. So, for those people who may be called holier than thou and whatever, uh, all that holiness is things that they're doing on their own, and we cannot make ourselves holy. You know, that's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus to have, that, have made that sacrifice for us so that His holiness can be given to us. His righteousness can be given to us. Like we sang earlier, Lord, I need You. Um, we cannot be made holy without God. And here's the second thing. We can't be made holy without each other. It, it's really easy to think that you've got something figured out. And maybe it's just me, but um, there are times in my life that I'm like, okay, yeah, now I've got it. And then I go in public or behind the wheel of a car or start parenting my three kids, and all of a sudden I realize that I don't have it as much as I, as I thought I did. That there are times in my life when God is trying to teach me something, and in a vacuum, in my own solitude, I think I've got it figured out, I think I'm nailing it, and then I come into community with other people, and I realize that, no, I don't have it. And there's a reason for that. God created us for community, and we together work out that salvation, work out that holiness, that process that we call in theological terms sanctification. We can't become holy without God, and we can't be made holy without each other. So next time you tick somebody off, uh, you can turn right now, even now, to your neighbor, and you can say, um, I'm making you holy, okay? So that's what we do. We are making each other holy. That's not an excuse for us to, you know, get on each other's nerves at all. But that's what God is doing. We don't make ourselves holy. I can sit in my room away from people, away from distractions and temptations, and think that I'm being made holy. But when I interact with other people, that's when I begin to see how that holiness is taking shape and form in me. 
and how God is beginning to do a work in me and change me and shape me and form me. Now, when it comes to matters of morality, um, we need to understand that the culture in which Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, that there was a major disparity between their culture and this new culture that they were bringing as, as Christians, as followers of Christ. Things that were once acceptable for them. Now, Paul, through Jewish tradition and through following Jesus, was telling them, this is wrong. And he's talking to them, saying, hey, I'm not talking to the people around you. I'm not talking to the people you work with, the people you go to school with, the people you live around. I'm talking to you. Because as followers of Christ, you are the ones who are pursuing holiness. You are the ones who are following after Jesus Christ. And, and this pursuit of holiness was probably one of the top reasons why the Thessalonians dealt with so much persecution in their pursuit of Jesus. Because one day, they were just acting in a certain way morally, and then the next day after they met Jesus, they knew that they had to stop doing all the things that, they, that were once seen as acceptable. And so they stopped, and then everybody around them was probably like, what's wrong with you? Why, why don't you do this anymore? You know, why, why is this not acceptable for you? Are, you? are you better than us? Are you holier than us? And Paul knew that that was probably something that was going to cause disparity and conflict and even persecution for the Thessalonians. Nothing like today at all, right? Our perspective on, on, on sexuality, even within the church, is countercultural to everyone around us. Not because we think we're better than anybody else. Not because we're saying, oh, we've got it figured out. Because God has called us as followers of Jesus Christ to pursue holiness. And so that means that our higher authority is not ourselves, it's God. And that in and of itself, by taking the authority out of ourselves and putting it on God, that in and of itself is going to put us at conflict with the world. And we're going to find ourselves in this place where, where we're being countercultural in who we are, even in morality and standards there. You see, God wants all to come to repentance, but this pursuit of holiness is something we need to hold ourselves to. We hold our brothers and sisters to, but we don't hold the world and the culture around us to a standard that they don't even believe in. That would be like going and saying, hey, I'm going to play baseball, but I'm going to use the rules of basketball here. I mean, it would be a completely contrary thing. If, if you don't believe in something, why would I hold you to a standard of that? But for those of us who say, yes, I, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. For us, we're called to something different. We're called to a higher standard. And our obedience to what Christ calls us to is the witness that we have in the world. This whole series that we're in is about the witness of the church. 
and this idea that we're pursuing what our higher authority is calling us to means that we're pursuing being a witness in our obedience to God. Paul, I think he, he wrote more about this idea of, of sexuality and morality than, than he did write about anything else. If you look throughout his letters in the New Testament, you see that, that he is speaking to a culture that um, is, is maybe similar to our own. That, that there's almost like a sexual saturation around us, that we're so consumed with this. And Paul was saying, here's what God is calling you to. And he was clear in 1 Corinthians 5.12, this is what he said. He said, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Paul's not saying, hey, go out there and everyone that you disagree with on this subject of sexuality, make sure that they know by whatever you're doing, holding signs or whatever, hey, this is what I believe and you need to do it too. No, Paul doesn't say that. Paul says, this is what I'm holding you to. Because their higher authority isn't God. Their higher authority is whoever they make it themselves, the government sometimes, whatever it might be. But as followers of Christ, we're saying, God is my higher authority. I invoke the authority of him. He's the one that I follow. Gordon Fee, who is a theologian and a commentator on 1 Corinthians and on the passage in 1 Corinthians 5 where Paul says that, he makes this statement. He says, as God's temple in the world, it's to offer a striking alternative to the world. And in that sense, it must always be judging the world, but it's not ours to bring sentence against those who belong to another worldview to another age altogether. This, the time for that judgment is coming. Paul is giving clear instructions. He's writing to the Thessalonians who have said, hey, we're following a different way now, a, different way, a way that's different from the culture around us. And Paul says to them, control your own bodies. Don't let this passionate lust take over you. You know, like the pagans have done, like those who don't believe that, that there is a God. They have a different authority than you do. But for you, Thessalonians, for you, church, we're called to a higher standard, a higher authority, and our witness is not in flaunting that or touting it or saying, hey, look at me, how wonderful I am, how God's making me holy. No, our witness is just being obedient to what he calls us to. Because our obedience is the witness that the people see. <clears throat> I think so often what has happened in our world is that Christians say this is the standard we hold to, and then we, people see our lives and they say, that's not the standard you hold to. They say, you say that's the standard you hold to, but, but in dark rooms and on, at late at night, that's not the standard that you're holding to. And they see this disparity and say what you're saying and what you're doing are not the same thing. 
Paul reminds the Thessalonians in this pursuit of holiness and morality to not wrong and take advantage of others. Even this morning, I was reading an article about a church that was dealing with that situation where brothers and sisters were hurt because in the area of morality, someone, usually somebody who is in authority in a church, took advantage of somebody else. And what has often happened is that we've, we've hidden that and we've tried to cover it up and we've tried to say it does, it's not there. It was somebody else's fault instead of saying, you know what, Lord, I've sinned. I've broken your commands and your, your commands to pursue the holiness that you've called me to. And Paul reminds them, the Thessalonians, that hey, this is what we need to do. Paul reminds his readers of the standard to which they're called, to live lives of purity and holiness. And it's not an easy one. You know, Paul, I'm, I'm sure Paul understood that uh, this call to holiness, this call to purity, wasn't something that was going to be like a walk in the park. That they're just going to be able to do this. If you read through his letter to 1 Corinthians, you see some of the stuff that was happening within the church. And how uh, they just weren't getting it. And they were having such a hard time with this difference between who they used to be and, and how now who they were called to be. And I see so many similarities between Paul's time and the times that we're living in today. That there's a, a difference in that holiness and purity to which we're called and the different authority that the world invokes, in, especially in matters of morality. And Paul reminds his readers of the standard to which they're called, and then uh, he adds this phrase. He said that they are able to do this through the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Back to what I'd said earlier that in our pursuit of holiness, we, we need God to do that. We need each other in that pursuit. And God doesn't just say, okay, I'm calling you to this. Have fun. Good luck. I'll be here when you blow it. No, God's saying, I'm giving you the Holy Spirit to allow you to do this. This pursuit of purity and holiness isn't something we just muscle out. We don't say, okay. You know, if I try hard enough, then this is all going to go, like, exceedingly well. No. Paul's saying we need the Holy Spirit in order for us to be changed, in order for us to control things that can easily spiral out of control. And Paul reminds his readers that this isn't a battle that they're fighting on their own. It isn't a journey they're taking alone. The Holy Spirit, who's been given to us, by God and who resides within us is along this journey with us. And so this pursuit of holiness, this holiness and purity to which we're called isn't something that is going to be well received by people around us, but that doesn't mean we flaunt it. It means that we keep in our pursuit 
and show a consistency there. And so what do we do with all this? I think one of the first questions that we really need to ask ourselves is this. What or who is your highest authority? I might add to that an addendum question, which would be, is it all the time? Because speaking honestly, uh, just like when I was a kid and I would invoke the authority of my mom when it was convenient for me, there are times in my life that I'll probably be like, okay, God, you're the authority here. And then the moment that I don't like it, I'm like, oh, I don't want you to be the authority anymore. But we can't have it both ways. And so here and now, who or what is our highest authority? The second question is this. How are we holding to the standard that we expect others to hold to? You know, again, I think this is one area where the church blows it big time. Because we say, hey, we want you to do this. We want you to do this. We don't want you to do this. We don't want you to do this. And everyone's like, wait a second. Like, you're telling us all these things to do, and look at your life. You're a mess. You're a disaster. And so how are we doing with the standard of pursuing holiness? And, and, and let me add two to that, because I, I think there's sometimes in life, especially within the church, where we're like, oh man, I've got such, my life is such a mess. I'm not going to talk to, I'm not going to talk to Aaron. I'm not going to talk to Kenny because my life is a mess and well, I don't want them to judge me. No, like we're not judging each other. There's a difference between judging and accountability too. And I'm not saying we sit here on Sunday mornings, we come together and we like, how's your sin life, buddy? Like, let me have my checklist and make sure everyone's doing good. But when we build relationships with one another, when we have something deeper connected to one another, that's accountability. When we think that we can hold people to something and there's no relationship at all, that's judgment. And then the final question is this. Are you doing this or are you trying to do this on your own? Hey, you guys are a smart, good-looking bunch in here. I'm sure you can do a lot of things on your own. But here's one thing that you can't do on your own. Absolutely. You can't save yourself and you can't make yourself holy. And so, are you trying to do this on your own? Chances are, if you're trying to do it on your own, it's going to be frustrating. Look, I remember now as I'm raising two teenage boys, I'm getting flashbacks of all these things that I had tried to forget once I like got into my 20s. And now it's all flooding back in again. And I'm trying to remember, what did I tell myself back then? What did my mom tell me? What did my dad tell me? this is probably one of the big ones. <laughs> like, don't try to do it on your own. Like, don't try to keep pursuing and muscling through it. Like, I'm a pastor. I, for, for a living, I have people tell me about the train wreck of their lives. And I cannot think of one person who has said to me, I was able to muscle through it and it worked really well. Things are going great and I'm nailing it in life. More often than not, it's somebody who says, I've been trying to do it on my own, I'm failing miserably, and I'm just ready to give up. We can't do it on our own. Like we sang earlier, we need Jesus. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Let's pray.
Lord, we need you. We can't do this on our own. And Father, this pursuit of holiness, this pursuit of, of purity, it's just not something that is easy. It's not something that, that comes naturally to us. But we absolutely positively need to do this if you are our higher authority. If we say that, God, you are above us, whether we like it or not, in times that we like it or not, our pursuit of you, yes, it'll put us at enmity with the world. But God, part of our witness to the world is being obedient to what you call us to. And so, Father, we need you and we need each other. So, God, may we remember that we're not doing this alone. May there be encouragement and support rather than judgment and other things. And God, may we see you in all this, even in this pursuit of holiness and purity. And God, I pray that you give us grace for the journey. And you remind us that this isn't a quick fix, microwave it, figure it out in 30 seconds. But this is a journey. And so God, may we be on this journey with you and with each other as you make us holy, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So who is your highest authority? And do you hold to that authority even when it puts you at odds with the world and the culture around you? God calls us to a standard of holiness, but he gives us the power of the Holy Spirit and calls us to community with each other to pursue that holiness. How are you doing in your pursuit of holiness? Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at thebranchashland at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, give us a review, and share with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. See you next time.